0: Back, everyone. It is a fairly queer podcast, and Sam and I are back from a slight hiatus as we've been moving around and dealing with things. And um, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. So, Sam, we, how we are also, you doing in your transition? We
1: also,
0: we also just talked for half an hour and realized
1: we weren't recording. So that's a thing. It was
0: about 15-20 minutes. So, everyone, you can um, tell Sam. Sam, lots of A's, lots of M's. That's what I do. This is a non-judgment zone, but Sam.
1: That's me. (sighs) Hey, guys. Guess what? We're going to be experimenting with um, a cell phone um, soundboard this episode. So let us know if you like
0: it. Yes. Yes, thank you. I'm also going to see how the soundboard goes. And then if you like it, please let us know. And if you don't, well, yeah, that that's my favorite. Yeah.
1: Speaking of speaking of this sound effect.
0: Did you hear that one is a little quiet. Yes. Um, so Sam, experience. you had you were talking about um your frustrations with um how things have been going politically, because while we are quarantining, um the political system is still alive and well cranking along as it does. So yeah. you've had you've had some feelings about some recent uh recent I've been having
1: events. a lot of feelings about how it, a lot of things are being handled. Um so let me try to lay this out from start to finish. Um, with the current pandemic, I feel like there is... you People start to sort of take sides because they want to believe that someone has their best interests in mind. So with the American system, it's like Republicans bad, Democrats, good, or the other way around if you're a part of the different party, whatever. But... I think what we're seeing is that there are a lot of interests that are not special interests um, and that our politicians really don't seem to have the best interests in mind of their constituents, like you were saying when we were not recording by accident. It's, you know, (laughs) and I guarantee like as these bailouts roll out, it's going to, I think their statistic was like 60% of the money for bailouts were going towards big business or people that made over $200,000 a year. I might be totally pulling that statistic out of my ass, but that's what I heard. And I believe that to be true considering how the bailout rolled out. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of frustration right now in terms of how this is being handled, People's uh, people not seeming to have the best interest of their constituents out. And now on top of the cherry, on top of all that is Bernie Sanders has dropped out of the race. And I feel like yeah. he was that last shining a hope that we could have someone in office that really cared about take, like making sure that the people were represented. It's yeah. really frustrating and I'm super bummed about it. And honestly, as these elections roll out, I'm not sure, like, what I'm going to do. I will be honest, I'll probably vote for Joe Biden. I'm certainly not going to vote for Donald Trump. I'm not definitely don't want to give our listeners that that idea. But it's difficult because I honestly don't think Joe Biden is a very good person. It's sort of at this point, it's like, which sexual predator do you like more You know, there's been some very serious allegations about him and the media hasn't been covering it because they're in the pockets of the DNC and big donors and corporations. And Joe Biden sort of follows suit. Again, I don't want to discourage people from voting for Joe Biden and voting blue no matter who. And I certainly don't want people voting for Donald Trump. I said before we started recording that I don't want to tell you how to feel. I want you to tell... I want to tell you how I feel. And how I feel is it's a very difficult situation because they've propped up someone who they feel like can be a good figurehead for uh, private donors and corporations in the 1% who probably isn't going to get much done at all. He's already said that he would veto Medicare for all if it came to that. And it's just, you know, it's just this lesser of two evils sort of situation that we're in again, same thing with 2016. It's like, and if you think that, like hillary clinton was bad oh my god that was a warm-up i i mean trump's gonna eviscerate biden he's just got so many skeletons in his closet there's so many holes in his policy and he can barely string together a coherent sentence it's it's incredible that he's become the nominee so anyway
0: Well, here's the thing for me, Sam, and uh, I had a good uh, rehearsal go at my response, but my response is basically the revolution is now and the reform has to happen at multiple levels, whichever our talents deem us available for. Um, So my my perspective is that if we look at at history, politics, democratic, republican, or oligarchic, or plutarchic, or whatever the method is, it's a game, it's a drama, it's a theater, there are puppets, there are layers, and it has been this way for thousands of years. This doesn't mean we give up, we're on earth to make something happen, to um, create a more humane world. And so we have to follow the money, We have to follow the interests, and we have to use what power we have. And even though we don't feel like we have a whole lot, the thing is where money and politics cross, you have to use your money wisely. Um, Where um, it comes to uh, calling out things, we need to call out things, and we need to sustain those um, accountability movements. There's a lot of accountability that needs to happen. Mm And no matter where we sit in various political perspectives, there are lots of things that can be done to tip the balance. So my, um, my way is that empowering people is the best way to tip the scale. So if, if there is information that needs to come out of are perspectives, if there are whistleblowers that, um are around and really have the evidence and need to move it along. This is a call for people who have been involved in politics and people who have been involved in um, things that they know are unjust, unethical, and inhumane. Yeah. So please, it's a call out to, to folks across the world because we have an international listenership here. Please let us know how, th- and also how things have changed for the, the better. Um, because we are, we are, um, manipulated by a, a 1% that is stalwartly sociopathic. I do believe this. They got all kinds of weird fucking ancient, ancient or whatever ideas about who they are, why they're in power, why they need to stay in power and how humans are just pawns for them. Yeah. So it is, it is plenty of motivation to rise up, whoever you are, wherever we come from, because to end, Sam. Um, A lot of people are very afraid and are psychologically programmed to keep a status quo. That is why reform looks like too much for a certain amount of the middle of the bell curve of people. People are still continuing to work in corporate jobs because they they have the backing to keep things moving through a lot of different scenarios like the ones we're in right now. Big things have a lot of power. But they, don't, they aren't the only things with the power. We have power, too, and we have to encourage each other through multiple layers of support, uh, persistence, and resilience to do the work that we know in our hearts is right to do to move this snowball into a real, into a real revolution locally, n- in, nationally, and internationally. It's time. We're all going to face a new world ahead of us and it's time to make it a more humane and more um, ethical one. Yeah, so that's and right what I'll now, say about it.
1: We're seeing, with the response to the pandemic, we're seeing that it hasn't been primarily directed at taking care and making sure that, you know- Oh, the, one $1,200 med- check yeah, if it's you're a, in a it's payroll a, it's a job? Bribe. Is that it's really it? It's a bribe. It? And it's re- that's, yeah. if you're working 40 hours a week, that's minimum wage. You know, it's, yeah. it really shows where the priorities lie. Also, here's another thing, too. In terms of where the most of the bailout money is going to, like, the key is to get the money to people that are going to spend that money the next day on groceries, on yeah. necessities, on whatever, putting that money back into the economy, economy to stimulate it and make sure that they can get what they need. The idea that it's going towards, you know, corporations, and, like, I remember I was having a conversation a while ago with someone, we were talking about uh, the original premise of the bailout and why uh, it had been primar- it had been rejected originally. It's because there wasn't any restrictions on making sure that companies would spend that money on their workers or spend the money on things that weren't uh, like stock buybacks. I know that that had changed and those restrictions were put in, but we're yeah. seeing moving forward with more uh, rollouts of bailout, that it's mostly going to these corporations. Um, yeah. It's really discouraging, but I agree with you. Where it's like not—I don't think it, you should give up hope, even though I mean, Bernie Sanders was no, Bernie Sanders was a great sort of like shining light because it was sort of like a dismantle the masters home with the masters tools kind of situation, um, yeah. where like we had this person who was in the Democratic Party and he seemed to really be able to make changes happen if he could just get elected but he was railroaded out by the dnc like i remember yeah.
0: like you know alaska and there's i there's a whole we both faction the of view. them who don't want that and you know and we need to realize it could be your it could be your senator your congressman you know if, i would find the money trail folks that's the easiest way does Justin you know?
1: still... St- I know that Justin likes The View. Does he still listen to The View?
0: Yeah, yeah. We watch The View sometimes. Uh, yeah. Justin well, I watches used to, The View. You know, I used to be, like, an avid View watcher.
1: I'd watch every episode. i watched watch them on YouTube, but, like, I would always watch The View. And mm-hmm. then, like, out of nowhere, they just seemed to start, like, being really aggressively against Bernie Sanders. It was so strange like, yeah. and I remember, well, where does it day... come from?
0: Who, who is the memo from? And when, what's the reason the Stockholders, I... this, this, this board member that they are a member of one of these a, a puppet puppet, yeah. you know, major puppet puppet corporation, you, you know, you. like a, you know, <laughs> string pulling corporations. Because people are in their homes and people are watching TV. Because Mm -hmm. we're programmed to use TV to relax. There's, to me, it's like the big thing. Be careful what you're putting into your sensory system, Mm -hmm. because simply with repetition, we may believe things that aren't actually true to us. This is this is radical thought and radical action. But we're in a point where we we need. We need something besides the easy, convenient media uh, available. Media
1: mainstream media is is just as corrupt is just as corrupt and biased as Fox News. Just Fox News is more blatant about it. You know well, they know really... who their who
0: their constituency exactly their basis.
1: It's important to make sure that you're getting your media from you know places that are reliable, or at least getting it from a a, a bunch of different sources. But I was shocked to yeah. sort of see like it was like a switch was turned where suddenly every major media outlet and talking ahead out there was spinning this narrative that if Bernie Sanders didn't drop out, it would be irresponsible, that Medicare for all was unrealistic, that it was pie in the sky, all of these things. And it just seemed crazy. Um, And I don't know, it's just really disappointing to see I think what a lot of people would consider a liberal party to really have such an orchestrated effort to dismantle the campaign of someone that represents so many good things for the people. Um, and I'm super bummed about it, but this isn't just about Bernie Sanders is what was I, yeah. I, what I agree, I agree with you with what you said before. This is about revolution and it's about, you know, yeah. we, we outnumber we outnumber them. There is no yeah. reason that we should stand for this. This And right. maybe because the government yeah. is royally forking up this entire relief effort that might push people to organize in a more substantial way and say, you know what, this whole political party system is really not working for us anymore. I think we need some other alternative to get people yes. into office that are actually yeah. going to do shit that isn't just for their corporate donors and there
0: (laughs) is a (laughs) constituency, but they but they're, they're highly, um, they've got, uh, they've got, uh, people and interests aimed at, at, um, getting them out. Yeah. You know? And so you have to be very, if, if you are an actual humanitarian politician, if you care about humanity and you care about moving things along and being good to the earth, and being good to your neighbor and um, uh, uh, engaging in social justice to deal with so many of the incredibly inhumane and um, disrespectful things being done to humans and being done to the earth, then you've got to see where people, you've got to see where these these influ- in, the original influence influencers, these politicians and their corporate interests stand. And again, we're in some we're in a big economic shuffle right now. Where things this is a, this is a things changed after this scenario. But we have to put our money where our politics is. Yes, it's, you know. So that's maybe the the last thing. Think about um, supporting as many local people who who believe in the same things that you do. I, and what I'm saying is, you know, humanitarian things progressive um, things, uh, ecologically sustainable things people who um, are supporting uh, women's rights, um, of course queer queer folk all around the world um, who struggle because their governments and their uh, their societal norms uh, think it's okay to be abusive or harass or do other things. We've still got this work ahead of us. So yeah. the most important thing we have in this economic flux right now is put your money where your politics is. Whatever and money you
1: might have left.
0: Yeah. I I mean and it's true. It's like I I wish I I wish I weren't on Amazon anymore and and the the moment that we can start pulling out of these monster these monstrosities that tug and pull um in our global socio economic political web, this entangled mess of corporations and empires and and uh and you know the inhuman sociopaths that sit at the tops of banks and corporations and and other things um we got our work cut out this lifetime, but as a witch, I'll just end with saying we've done this before. And hopefully we won't have to do it too many more times on earth if we get this shit done now. So, Sam, are you ready for a break? Oh, yes. We're gonna be All back right, with
1: everyone something totally different. <laughs>
0: yeah. Hydrate, satiate, self-care for a moment, and we'll be right Laminate,
1: back. Laminate procreate. Mm,
2: yeah. Isolate, oh, oh, that's already incubate. happening. Oh.
0: All right, so we will see you in a moment.
1: Oh, come on. Give it at least a couple of those.
0: Oh, you want some more of those? You want some more of those? Yes! Why Why is all of this? Jeremy. This this thing is so confusing. Dear God. We'll be back. Bye-bye.
2: There are things I know. Things inside of me There is something wrong Something inside of me There's that place I know Where I can be There's a place I know It's inside of me That's the place I know Oh. Get... That's the...
0: well, oh. Thanks, Sam. Thanks. We'll try not to totally um, ruin our chances by oversaturating people with that sound. I still like Pew 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 myself. And Pew Pew Pew, we are back with our first section of w- what I'm going to improvisationally call... Uh, A random choosing a subject that is meaningful to us and exciting for our listeners. Yes. Sam, we've talked about a couple of things. Now, what I do want to do to open is let people know that I am developing um, two online seminars. Everyone's got something these days. But I figure the two things that I love most and that I've done a lot of studying are on our um and i'm going to show sam these exciting things on our on our skype appointment the exciting there i'm going to start the exciting thing are two books i'm going to do a queer history basically yeah A sort of witchy queer history so there are two books here that are going to be my pillars and then i'm going to grab some of my old syllabi from my ucla days and i'm going to go as deep as possible, talking about the earliest records of people think that there was something else besides cis-hetero, cis-hetero procreative dynamics, so I'm developing a seminar, it's going to be lovely, it's not highbrow, it's not highfalutin, I want the information to basically um, demonstrate that we've always been here, because so much of queer studies only goes back maybe a hundred years or so sometimes specialists go back maybe five hundred years or two thousand years but i want to go all the way to the first times or and some of the witchy traditions by uh the witchy traditions that have mentioned us so the other one is going to be a music seminar and um that'll be fun and it'll be terrific because i have all sorts of uh great books on music and understanding music in certain ways so um I thought that maybe one of our two sections can be about um how far we think uh our kind go and what we know mm-hmm. about um sort of iconic iconic non hetero non cis hetero moments. I thought maybe we'd quiz ourselves and then talk a lot about um our queer. Heroes, Sam. How do you feel about that? Yay!
2: Yay, Because it is a fairly queer
0: podcast. And Sam and I have known each other for almost a year. And it's the (laughs) springtime that... (laughs) (laughs) Sam, if I were over there to beat your ass with the... (laughs) Can we please spread these soundboards out? Because you're obviously really excited about it. I'm really excited about it too. But um, We're just we're so, figuring out the kinks. Yeah. Yeah. We are improvising. Oh come on. Do you know
1: for kinks? a fact that a lot of our listeners also listen to Hot Goss and they use a sound effect on their soundboard every three seconds. So this is nothing.
0: Yeah. Is it, so there. That I, is it terrible that I don't know that I've listened to anything, but about like a minute of hot goss. I just, I'm not, I'm not a gossip girl. I'm, I'm not. Okay. Okay, Sam. So why don't you tell me about what you know in queer history, the history of people, any peoples around the world, and people, uh, peoples from long ago of different genders and different relationship proclivities.
1: You know, I have to say, I actually don't know that much. I certainly would like it brings to mind like ancient Greeks where there's more like fluidity in terms of sexuality. But we've discussed that before on the podcast. And you mentioned that a lot of that was about power dynamic. So I don't think that's necessarily a great example um, I think back to ancient Egypt a lot, though, in terms of their use of like makeup and idols and sort of um, their, the, their way of expressing themselves in terms of like uh, their, their dress. And yes. also, I think that's something that's really great about them. I'm not sure if this is necessarily intrinsically queer, though I do think that femininity is definitely um, part of queerdom in uh, a big way. Um, yeah. that there was a lot of gender, um, uh, there were, there was a lot of, you know, women had a lot of, had a lot of political and economic sway. Um, so definitely I think there's de- representation from way back when, but Jeremy, you are much more of an expert on this subject. So why don't you just <gasps> let, why <don't> you just <sighs> let loose?
0: Let loose. All right. Well, um, I was really inspired by these books that I had grabbed over the past, uh, I don't know, five to eight years because I was doing gender studies and I was uh, wanting to connect music and gender and um, er erotic dynamics and intimate dynamics (sighs) in my (laughs) academic work. Mm -hmm. What's going on, Sam? Sam? I accidentally are you, are you? Are you subconsciously I, undercutting my power?
1: No, I accidentally pressed the clapping one when I was just trying to turn my phone on. Continue. Uh,
0: <laughs> all right. Well, everyone, you can see, you can see the the hokey pokey going on here. Um, but I wanted to work on those uh, things as it related to opera and musical theater about. 400 to 300, 250 years ago, but once I left graduate school went on the wild uh, roller coaster ride of of singing and playing and creating along with Alaska, I I never let go of those interests. I never let go of that passion for finding out who are basically some form of a gender variant uh, and relationship or bonding—I call it bonding variant because, like, we have managed to really have some weird programming about our sexuality and about yeah. intimacy and about eroticism. And we know in different cultures there's different ways that those dynamics happen. For some, for some cultures, we have to be very careful about the erotic because it is a mostly sacred realm, and that you know, there's some acts that are considered sacred and very powerful and the gods are involved in them. These are things like Tantra and and other ways where uh, certain sexual acts were thought of being only for priests, priests or gender variant people. And then there's, uh, uh, especially in Western culture, we've managed to secularize sexuality. So in, in certain ways, it's become like, not anti-sacred, but just like, run-of-the-mill things, we need to free ourselves from the religious oppression of, of religiously ordained or, or um, um, suppressed, uh, uh, suppressing different sexual or intimate or uh, uh, erotic acts. And so that's the, the sexual expression. There's gender expression and there's bonding expression, right, the, our relationships. So the two books that I've shown, um, uh, Sam, are "Blossom of Bone" by Randy P. Connor and "Another Mother Tongue" by Judy Gron. Now these are historical uh, documents. "Blossom of Bones" from 1993, and Judy Gron's book, uh, as a uh, a gay woman, a queer woman, um, is from 1984. So this is before a lot of the queer theory, and which I'm kind of really into, pre-queer theory, or like early stuff where it's where it's a little less heady and a little less conceptual, because we are embodied beings, we are embodied consciousness in this realm, and so I I'm going I'm to give a fairly short, um, uh, kind of concise bit about how I. Think of these things way back when, after the Ice Age, there are various cultures all over the world. We all have different origin stories. We have different gods and goddesses that came down from the heavens. Yes. Um, and uh, some of these, some of these gods and goddesses, uh, stuck with the other gender for relationships, and some of them did not. So the ooh, the very indication that certain gods and goddesses from whom cultures derive origin stories, like we come from them, you know, this is the Middle East, these are the the Americas, uh, this is the Pacific Islands of various parts of Asia, that there are our our superhuman ancestors, that um, we have these myths and legends of their activities. That's one of the primary um, threads that I wanna look at because these are real things. These are some of the oldest documents we have. Even in Sumeria, we had, um, we had these gods and goddesses, dark-sided and light-sided and switching around, but also they are having relationships with humans of various genders. That's one yes. stripe. Another stripe is what's in the historical record. One of the first things that come to mind is when the Romans were denigrating the Celts. Um, about 2,000 or so years ago, it's like these these Celtic guys have these hot Celtic women, but these Celtic guys are kind of like hanging out and getting sexy with each other. And the women will also just kind of do what they like in their various uh, 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 traditions and their various uh, celebrations and rituals. So I'm like, why are they doing this? And I'm like, you hypocrites. You hypocrites. There's, I mean, we you are denying the, the fact of Intergenerational male, uh, male homoeroticism and male homoerotic dynamics in the Greek period—they're your neighbors. Literally, you stole. A, the Romans took a lot of their cues from the Greeks, as yeah. well as in the as well as in the Middle East, uh, before the Islamic period, and even among the Sufis. Rumi uh, is nearly a, a thousand years old back but the sacred dynamics of erotics and an open-heart and heart-centered intimacy between any two people, let alone what more scholars have found out about Rumi and their circles. So these are just a few examples. I mean, there are third-gender people in southern Italy. There are third-gender people in uh, South and Southeast Asia. Um, And these are things that we're constantly digging up because sometimes people have had to hide out people have been um, uh, abused, harassed, and killed for not being like the middle of the bell curve, not being those who stick to the rules or stick to the new imperial culture of cis, hetero, procreative, blah. You know, that's fine for people for whom it's their natural way, but if we aren't doing how we're built and the way we love and the way we express ourselves, we're doing ourselves a disfavor diversity is the nature of the universe and diversity is the nature of earth so anything or any one or any um, uh, uh, agenda that tries to turn us all into a monoculture is not of is not of the creator of according to many of our cultures so that's the tone that I want to set for my uh, seminar and these are many of the beautiful uh, places that both both um, uh, Professor Connor, because uh, Randy Connor, they are a professor in the Chicago area. And Judy Gron was a seminal member of the literary and creative activities of the flowering of, of, of lesbian and femme and female-oriented uh, queer movements in the 1970s and 1980s. And I believe her partner was Native American. So there's a whole mix of things going on here that we that to me as a witch and as a queer witch, we have to understand that our gen- gender is magical and our bonds with each other are magical. Wouldn- whichever way you want to put that. So that's where I'll start, Sam. I-, I mean, tell me about your version of like what you've come to model as empowering sexuality and empowering relationship in your life. Okay. Yes.
1: Yes, that's my model. It's Ding. No, um, uh. Well, I don't know. It's it's definitely you know it's been a illuminating circumstance for me in terms of my own queer journey because when I originally moved to New York uh, when I was nineteen and started to explore my sexuality and identity there was a lot of pressure to look a certain way, to act a certain way, to peacock. And yeah. um, also I was a dancer. So there was a certain expectation that I fulfilled certain static, uh, aesthetic obligations to make sure that people were, I was making money. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like I didn't really get to explore uh those sides of me as much as I probably should have been at the time Um, because like I I actually remember thinking like when I was 1920 that I I had like a type like a type of guy that I liked and it was this and I was that and all these sort of like archetypes that I was trying to fit into um, because there was so much status involved with like what it meant to be a gay man that was living in the city Um, And going to fairy witch camp and meeting some of my uh, still to this day close friends uh, when I was around 22, 23, um, of course, traveling New Orleans, Kentucky, et cetera, meeting different people of different kinds and different ilks from all over really started to shape my um, my own view of who I was, Um, who is I mean, I would consider myself to be honest, fairly binary. I think I uh, view myself as a cisgendered man. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think where it re- really sort of, uh, what I sort of allowed myself more free reign over as I got older was being allowing myself to act and dress more femininely. Mm-hmm. And not feeling guilty about it because there was yeah. a lot of guilt associated with being effeminate because, oh, you're perpetuating stereotypes or it's not sexy or it's not uh, people won't desire you. People won't take you seriously. People people yeah. not taking you seriously is a big part of that because there yeah. is a certain um, expectation that you need to have a deeper voice and not have a high-pitched effeminate voice or else people aren't going to listen to you because you're a fairy um so Mm -hmm. one of my favorite lines i'm sure i've said it before in the podcast because i occasionally like when i'm associating with people that don't know me like even times like this is such a stupid example but like i i've been playing some Fortnite when Because you know I'm in quarantine, and there's a lot of younger kids on Fortnite, and they'll be like, "Are you gay? You sound gay." Because occasionally I'll like be using a mic, and I'm like, "Yeah, I do sound gay. I am gay (laughs) because so I sound gay." (laughs) Oh,
0: Sam, but what are these things with these? And again, like, pardon me, but if you're under 28 years old, there's still so much development going on. There are wise. Wise brilliant souls who I love and adore in the twenty-eight and under category, but it's still highly developmental in our in our interglobal queer, queer allied uh culture right now. So I yeah. say that respectfully but truthfully, like there's a whole big wide world of unicorns out there and we're meeting each other and we are um we're scrambling each other's Brains and opening, hopefully opening each other's hearts to understand that, like, we are uh, a magically unique and diverse crew, and and the the sound of a person's voice um, is theirs, and we don't really have a right to be gendering other people to so that we can have the power dynamic over someone else to determine how we will act towards them. That is a two-way street. If you're having intersubjective, if, you're, if you care about another person who you are interacting with, it is each other's responsibility to, to tell one another how one is identifying and um, what their preferred pr- pronouns are and um, where they are in this journey. So I'll just say, like, I yeah. I basically identify as fluid. Um, my mom always said I was very gender balanced, um, and uh, and I think uh, one of my more radical positions, and I think it's fairly historically accurate, was that like at some point our ancient ancestors, six thousand or plus years ago, we were all indigenous once. We were all local people in tribes all over the globe. And over time and over evolution of our consciousness and of the mixing of peoples and the confrontation of peoples, civilizations with their own backstories rose up. Imperialism happened. And so whatever we don't know or have any evidence for, that doesn't mean we didn't still exist. Gender-variant people who would have uh, relationships with whomever they wished, whichever was sanctioned. Or there's always the forbidden relationship stories that happen all throughout the myths and all throughout the different cultures. You've been having forbidden and allowed relationships as long as humans have existed, as far as I'm concerned. So, like, as a gender-fluid person or gender floral, as I've said to others, it's like it my. My gender is open for, for, uh, for business. myself, and I accept. Your gender open... is open for business. Yeah, so not for business. I mean, I my just like easiest thing business. is. Well, not right now because I'm in quarantine. Pew pew pew
2: pew 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 pew
0: pew pew pew. See, we we love that. Um yeah. But is that I keep my gender open? Like I like I try to keep my understandings of other people's positions and identities because these things I think are generally fluid until you say no I want to stop in this identity for a while explore it and let other people know that this is I'm keeping it stationary it's stationary and fluid at any moment so
1: while we're having because I have a question which I've yeah. always sort of this is like a question that I've struggled with because I my position has always been like, it's not important. Like I don't, if, if someone was to, I don't think I, I don't think I project enough, like of what someone would consider like, like visually feminine for someone to mistake my gender. Um, so now that I'm older, when I was younger, people would occasionally say like, call me miss. Like if they just saw me in the street or whatever, because whatever, but um, I haven't gotten that for a long time. But it never bothered me because I didn't care. I was like, yeah, whatever, call me whatever you want. Um, yeah. So that's always been my position. But at the same time, I, of course, respect people that want to make sure that you are identifying them as their their gender,
0: whether yes. or not that is the this gender. This is a respect to our neighbor, respect yes, exactly. for our, our siblings and our communities and our Regar- tribe,
1: Regardless of what we as a society might determine, like, that gender I'm making I'm doing air quotes that gender looks like because that's yeah. superfluous um right. I think I'm using that word right so like yeah of course you should respect it but where do you draw the line between like it not mattering like it's it's, er- it's erroneous because it's a construct
0: and like right. making but, sure and that and you're being
1: extra respectful because for me yes. I, don't give, I don't care I don't give a. I I think
0: that's right I think that's an individual thing because some people's gender journeys are, are very traumatic and other people's yeah gender journeys have been fluid all their lives and they've had a lot of support. So it is a psychic and a psychological and an emotional and a spiritual realm. Like I, I am not pressed. Um, I feel, I feel a sense of comedy when people like gender me masculine, but we don't have, ge- we don't have a third gender. We call it to it. It seems to like D I like, I
1: like, I like they or them.
0: Oh, but I see, when I started that I was like, I'm not, I'm trying to be a focused soul right here. And you calling on they could be calling on some other aspects of my, like, of my uh, consciousness or, like, ancestors or something. How I'm about, like, hun- how there. about uh, Sam. I just, I, you know, like, I love Justin Vivian. Bond and there's others that use like Z or like Z or a like something where it's kind of blended, you know, where it's not he and she and like they is like, it's okay.
1: I think they is the best option out of all of them.
0: Yeah, it's got a lot of it's got a lot of currency. It, the, the 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 trail has been pretty well well uh, uh, hiked in that sense. But yeah, and the, the thing that inspires me most is that um, there's a lot of sake, like with the idea that we were all indigenous once, we were all local basically once. We 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 were very, we had strong senses of our locality, but also um, we did move around and we did confront other cultures and we did mix for protection and we did mix because there was some sign that. Um, different tribes, different cultures should gather for protection or or uh, because of some kind of, uh, m- uh, some sort of consciousness expanded moment, some evolutionary moment. So that's what I'm interested in and interested in continuing. So my plug is that if you're interested in exploring this with me and uh, being provided bibliography, being provided um, uh, PDFs, being provided some Fun readings that we can all do together Um, for a sliding scale donation. Please pop into my DMs. Um, The music one is also being prepared. But I think this one could really help us because we're just dealing with how to connect with each other in a respectful and loving and mutually empowered way. So um, we'll get back to our last
1: If we wanted to, we
0: could...
1: When I said if if and when I set up set it set up the Discord, we could try to um, negotiate those types of um, gatherings through Discord. That yeah. could be an option because you can have a lot of people all on a voice channel. Let me put it in a language you can understand. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't want this. We'll Shut up, phone. Why okay, we're online? gonna go. We're gonna go while Damn, I figure up.
0: out my God, technology. Sam fucking it up we'll
1: be right back with questions from our guests
0: right after this break with final thoughts and questions see you in a moment
2: there are things i know things inside of me there is something wrong something inside of me There's that place I know where I can be. There's a place I know it's inside of me. That's the place I know when we can't be. That's the place I I am the Senate.
0: We're back. What the hell was that, Sam?
2: I am the
1: Senate. It's my favorite Emperor Palpatine soundboard
0: thing. Oh my favorite. God, Sam! Jeremy, you are the Sammit. You are the Beep pew, pew pew. I am. Yes. The okay. I want to get right into these questions because our lovely top level supporters. Um. I have a Patreon at Handsome Jeremy. Oh. It helps um, before... us run things. Yes. And how about I finish my thoughts, Sam?
1: Okay. Um, but, also, but also plug your concert.
0: Yes. So we have Patreon for the podcast so that we can up our technology, especially for um, Sam as uh, we are both freelancers, but we're extra quarantine freelancing right now. I can afford things A little, and Sam may or may not be. So I don't want to speak for you, Sam. But your support for us is um, crucial and most lovingly and gratefully um, uh, desired and appreciated. Also,
1: like we of course appreciate like you being Patreons. Like we can't thank you enough. Yes. Please, if you do not have the money,
0: don't worry about
1: it. Don't worry about it. Exactly. Like yeah. we get it. Like times are tough. If you do and you're like, you know what? You want to throw a couple bucks to some artists or, you know, just us because you're fans or you enjoy our content. We really, really do appreciate it. But if you can't, like don't sweat it. Like we get it. Yeah. So I just want to yeah. make that disclaimer. No pressure. If you can, that's great. If you can't, totally understandable.
0: So. Yes. All right. And just because it's we're in the, we're in the uh, place that we are in. Um, I want oh, to also Jeremy's my...
1: concert. Please uh, support him. You can do it. It's animatist journey with Alaska and Jeremy, and I believe it's on the 20th. You can get your tickets through Alaska's Instagram page.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. On stage it. It's part of the, the digital drag fest on going delight. So, um, yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm, wanting to... I'll be there. Have... Well, I'll be in the air. Yes. Areas. Yes. Yes. So, um, I'm just going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go to my messages. So, I'd like to thank Florida and um, Perpetua and Janina Komaringa for uh, being our top tier uh, Patreon. Pa- <laughs> patron. We thank you for your undying love and support. Um, Sharp contrast. I'm going to use everyone's Patreon name. Thank you very much. Gael, uh, (laughs) the only golden Lasky, who I believe is under the pseudonym GR. Kate, Lisa, I think it might be... Oh, no. Loom is the only golden Lasky. So thank you everyone at every level for your support. Um, It is is very important. Um, We are investing in things like actual soundboards and Mm -hmm. and for me to be actually for when this whole quarantine thing is over for sam and i to do a big podcast festival where we can end up in one of each other's places and do a whole wrap a whole extra season and have bonus uh episodes and um bring along uh guests guests now that you know what would
1: be really fun Hmm. If we did a meet and greet one day, I don't know if we have enough listeners to actually I mean, do that. that. Would be
0: kind of that would be kind but of I will, like uh, I will bring cupcakes. A, a live thing,
1: yeah. or a
0: Zoom thing, yeah, or yeah. um, to be part of a podcast festival to put our
1: yeah uh, our
0: up for um live perform uh, a live but, podcast whoa, whoa, whoa. slash performance. So those things are available. So I want to uh, get right to the questions now. Uh, so Florida. What are my go-to things? Oh, now, what I did is I thought we might have been broaching the subject of laughter. But I think laughter is a good way to end. We yeah. can just think of a few things to make us laugh. So, Florida asks, uh, what are my go-to things when I need a laugh? Um, Alaska.
1: Yay. <laughs> Me too. Um,
0: I do like, uh, on the internet, the web. So, shout out to Trixie and... Uh, Katya for their unique blend of comedy I really like that bosom buddy dynamic of comedy it's a very um, deep uh, deeply woven theme in my life uh, comic, uh, comic repartee between me and those who I love and am close to um, so thank you Florida just send more questions at any point that you have I, them About anything I, like, Patreon.
1: I like tiny snake comics on Instagram uh, they're my favorite they make me laugh <laughs> so that one okay
0: so Janina uh, asks with Easter coming up I am curious what holidays are our favorites and which holiday traditions are especially important to us you want to go you want to do that one first? holidays
1: and... yeah absolutely but um, where is Easter coming up Easter's coming up I, I actually I'll, do I'll... have a soft spot for Easter it might be my second favorite holiday because I don't know. Well, it's just so wholesome, and there's bunnies, yeah. and there's chocolate, and, a, and also yes. um, a two. I think years ago, when I was working at a farm in um, Simpsonville, K- oh, it was in Simpsonville, it was uh Finchville, Kentucky. Um, I th- had an Easter egg hunt on the farm for like a bunch of local kids and my friend, um, mm-hmm. my friend's kids. So mm-hmm. I took, I got a bunch of plastic eggs. Probably not great for an environment, but oh well. Sorry, sorry, environment. It was only once. I only popped it <laughs> once. So okay. I got all these plastic eggs, and I got a ton of candy, and I put c- tons of candy in each of the plastic eggs. And then I had these two, like, gigantic ostrich-sized plastic eggs. One was gold, and mm-hmm. one was silver. And I put money and, like, extra special chocolate in them. And oh. I hid them in, like, really specific places. So, like, mm-hmm. there was, like, extra price. And then... So the whole thing was like people would get these eggs and different eggs were worth different points. So at the end, we tallied up the points and I had prizes. So I had like chocolate bunny Ooh. prizes and I had stuffed animal prizes.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh my God,
1: it was so fun. I loved it. Um, so that's probably my second favorite <laughs> holiday. My first favorite holiday is definitely Thanksgiving, primarily because mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a forking gourmet, gourmet chef and I love cooking and oh, boy, I love- gourmet. Oh my God, pew, pew, pew um so yeah and also it's just like you know everyone gathers together and eats food and cooks yeah. and i'll be honest last thanksgiving there was a lot of food but i mostly ate my own food because i knew it would be the best yes. um but yeah i just love it i love and shade. i just love, i love cooking oh we need a shade rattle we need to get one of those um but yeah i just love cooking and i love cooking for other people and i love feeding people so definitely thanksgiving what about you jeremy
0: uh, well, I would say I'll use the growing up and then like now, um, growing up. I really, I really loved the holiday season. I loved Thanksgiving because it brought a lot of family together. I like Christmas because it was such a, like, I loved Christmas for the lights and just like my favorite part was like getting the lights on the tree and uh, uh, when we were driving throughout um, Pittsburgh, because it's very hilly and very lush and um, and uh, rainy, so that like looking through uh, rainy, wet windows through the neighborhoods of Pittsburgh and seeing how people decorated their homes and and trees and seeing people's Christmas trees lit uh-huh. up—that's just my favorite thing about the general holiday period.
1: I do um, have have fond memories of I was thinking about this the other day and it sort of made me sad because it's like, it's not really something you do as an adult, but I remember just like, cause we always had like a really big real Christmas tree mm, that we would go and yeah. cut down. And I just had like fond memories of like laying underneath the Christmas tree. And oh looking, yeah. And looking at favorites. everything through the branches. Right, looking
0: at how everything is just kind of hanging there. And that gets me to like the point where it's like, now that I'm like a full blown, full blown queer, witch. um, I that's still like my favorite thing about that time of the year, but I try to do some kind of ritual on the equinoxes because my birthday is so close to the summer solstice. I do love a solstice bonfire, um, at Fairy Witch camp, celebrating Mm -hmm. Beltane with the fire and the cuddles and the no Fairy Witch Camp this year. I'm everything
1: is canceled.
0: Everything is canceled, so we can get this virus down down to size um but it's those sorts of things now that i really appreciate gathering people together and drumming and bonfires just good good old-fashioned nature witch shit i just love it i can't wait to be able to do it again
1: yes jeremy if you're (sighs) still a traveling magician next year you should come and we'll spend christmas together and we'll have a tree and we'll lay underneath it
0: uh that sounds great sam i can't wait for this For this shit to subside, so that we can all start celebrating our various cultural holidays. Now, I'm gonna. Are there any last ones? Any other ones that kind of give me that that were fun for me? I mean, yeah, I really, I really think celebrating the turn of the seasons is a good way to reset. All right, so we're just about out of time, but thank you all. For listening to us, Sam, tell us your socials so people can contact you with suggestions and um, nudes.
1: Yes, um, make sure that you're of age. Um, yeah, please. Yeah, very important. Um, <laughs> you can contact me at, <laughs> uh, on Instagram, uh, Nuke Moth, and I'm Ramshine13 on Twitter. Uh-huh. I don't tweet much, so. Don't expect much from Twitter. It's not really my avenue of choice. Sorry. And um that's a okay. the only the
0: only place you can find me. Yes. I have uh, handsome Jeremy Musical Oracle on Facebook, as well as Apollo's Arts and Muses for collabs and creative business engagement. Um my Twitter is Orphic Apollo seven 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 O R P H I C Apollo. I don't do that much on Twitter, but say hi. Um, and then uh, Instagram is, of course, at Handsome Jeremy seven seven seven. And um, if you have uh, any questions or any comments, please let us know. We are here to serve community and bring a lot of love and a lot of quirky queerness to a fairly queer podcast. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you at the next episode. We will hear your beautiful voices in our comments, and we look forward to serving you the next time. Till then, (laughs) let's head out, Sam, into the gorgeous springtime. Yay! Yay! Bye, everyone! Goodbye. We're at Goodbye. The
1: Goodbye, Jeremy.
0: Goodbye, Sam. I'll send this over now.